Hello, parent warrior. Do you need a different way to get into your teen's head to maybe find out what makes them smile, what challenges they are facing, or even what they wish for in this moment in their lives? Well, if this sounds like you, boy, do I have a great tool to help you learn more about the person they are growing to become. It's my parent-child communication journal entitled Between You and Me, and it will help you and your child build a deeper bond, especially during the teen years. Pick up your copy at Amazon by simply typing in Jessica Shields or click on the link in the show notes for a direct link to the resource. Get your copy of Between You and Me today. This is Parent Them Successful with author and licensed educational psychologist, Jessica Shields. Your child no longer has to struggle. On this parenting podcast, we unravel the complexities of the education system, give insight into intervention services, and offer encouragement and tools alongside your parenting journey. It's time for your child to thrive. Welcome your host, LEP educator and mom of four, Jessica Shields. Hello, Parent Warrior, and welcome to the Parent Them Successful podcast. I am so glad you are tuning in. Today, I get to have a wonderful conversation about one of my favorite topics, college preparation and admissions. Yes, the reason this is so exciting for me to discuss is because I enjoy seeing our youth just really step into their plans for how they envision their lives in the future. It's just so exciting to me. And what's really exciting is that for some of our children, this is their first experience or exposure to college, like they might be the first to go in their family, or even, you know, sometimes it's that it may be some type of family tradition, but nevertheless, it is so exciting and yet emotional. It is an emotional time for parents and children alike. So today you are in for a treat, my friends. Let me tell you, we have a wonderful guest that I am interviewing. She is an expert in this area of what it takes to really, truly prepare for these moments and how we can be using the SAT and the ACT as leverage in a time when these tests are no longer requirements for admissions. So we are going to get clarity on exactly what we need to know. And parents, I'm excited to be a part of your journey. Make sure you stick around because there are some critical exceptions that you will need to know that may be contradictory to what you are hearing. So stick around for that. And also this week's parenting challenge and your loving reminder, you definitely don't want to miss that. Now, first, I, again, I'm so excited to introduce you to our special guest, Sheila Akbar. Sheila joined the Signet team in the summer of 2010, and she brought 
her wealth of experience teaching SAT, ACT, and GRE literature and composition in both a one-on-one and classroom settings. Sheila loves both teaching and learning and finding nothing more rewarding than working closely with students to overcome the challenges they face. Oh, that just, that just brings joy to my heart right there. And after graduating from Harvard in 20 or 2002, Sheila spent two years working in financial services before continuing her academic career, which culminated into two doctorates. She brings her significant business and academic experience to bear on her current role at Signet. Her skills include speaking to every client to craft a tailored solution for their needs, managing the administrative team, and providing educational thought leadership for the company. She holds a bachelor's degree and a master's degree from Harvard University and two doctoral degrees from Indiana University. Sheila, it is an absolute pleasure having you here. Welcome. How are you today? I'm good, Jessica. Thank you so much for having me. You know, Sheila, you have such an interesting story already. (laughs) Um, Why don't you tell us more about your background and how did you get here? Sure. Yeah, it's um, it's kind of a long story, and I'll try to keep it short. Okay. Um, but I think it's it's probably uh, in the abstract something that a lot of people can relate to. I tried a lot of things. I felt like I was failing, and then it all fell into place when I started really listening to myself. So I grew up in a small town in Michigan in an immigrant family, so education was really the priority, Mm -hmm. and it was always very clear what was expected of me. My father is a doctor. My brother is a doctor. Um, There was a path sort of already carved for me with my name on it Mm -hmm. uh, as far as my parents were concerned. Um, And, you know, it was one that I was happy to follow. I really have always loved learning, especially math and science. So when I went off to college, I was a pre-med. And then at some point during college, I I had to admit to myself, you know, this is a great profession and I see certainly the value in it, Mm -hmm. but I'm not sure that it's really what I want to do. So I dropped my pre-med status and then I was like, "Well, well, what do I do instead? And I had no idea how to figure that out. Um, and it was, uh, you know, the early 2000s and everybody uh, that I was graduating with was going to Wall Street. And so I just kind of got on that train mm-hmm. uh, without really uh, evaluating whether that was a fit for me, something that was going to be meaningful or set me on a path to whatever my definition of success was at the time. Uh, I did that job. I did it well. I learned a lot, but I also learned, I think, crucially, that it was not what sparked joy in my soul. Mm. Um, and I left that job and um, tried to find the space to figure out what I did want. Again, I had no framework for thinking through this. Um, so I floundered, and I thought I wanted to go to film school. I thought I wanted to be an architect. Oh, wow. And then at some point, I realized there was this poetry that I read in high school, that I studied in college, and I was still reading it. And I was like, oh, maybe I should study this poetry uh, more seriously. So I went back to Harvard. I did my master's in Near Eastern Languages and Civilizations. 
um, and really uh, fell in love with the academic world. I then went on to do a PhD, decided to add a second PhD <laughs> to that because I'm a crazy person. Um, and while all that was happening, I was tutoring hmm. because I love teaching. I love working with young people um, and I love learning. And there's sort of no better way to learn than to teach. Um, and so I was doing that on the side just to kind of pay the bills. And it slowly overtook everything else that I was doing, not because I needed it to, but because I wanted it to. Um, I found it so fun and so meaningful, and there were new challenges, and I knew I was helping people. Uh, and a friend of mine had started Signet. I joined him uh, and then slowly took over the business because I also had this sort of financial business acumen um, from previous experiences that allowed me to see you know, better ways of doing things, better ways of managing people, um, different strategies for growing the business. Um, and so in 2018, I became president and COO of Signet Education mm. um, and have been, you know, kind of doing this sort of thing ever since, really talking to people about what we do um, and helping them uh, navigate their high school journey, uh, either, you know, as a high schooler themselves or talking to their parents about how to help their kid navigate. Um, and really what um, all of this has culminated into is me taking learnings from my own twisty, turny journey <laughs> to figuring out what I want and really showing students that you don't have to have it all figured out. Um, what you need to do is know yourself really well and learn how to listen to yourself and learn whom you can trust for advice and who are your sounding boards and really assemble that team of trusted advisors around you so that you can navigate your life the way you want to. Wow. Um, and so that's what we try to do at Signet. Wow. You know, as you were talking, I thought about my twisty turny. <laughs> is that a word? Twisty turny yeah, journey. The twisty turny journey. You know, even I have a similar uh, story, you know, but mine is more of coming from as a black person raised in the South, you know, mm -hmm. education is always number one in our culture, especially there where we had not had those opportunities in the past and how important it was for me to go to college, you know, for my mom, especially she had gone, it took her a while. She didn't finish when she first went, but you know, it was something that took a while for her to do, but she did. And she was a teacher, you know, Mm -hmm. And um, for me, she always saw me as being a doctor. Maybe at some point I may have said that, but she made sure it stayed. And I kind of found myself like you uh, just on that pre-med track. And it just wasn't for me. And, you know, mm -hmm. honestly, in my in my journey, I always loved business. Even as a kid, I always had a business. <laughs> Mm. I always had a business. I had a club. I was running clubs out of the house. Uh, mm. <laughs> just having people pay dues. It was the cousins club. <laughs> <laughs> and I had my cousins pay like 10 cents a month. Uh, oh. And I bought them Christmas gifts with the money. <laughs> oh my goodness. That's so sweet. Yeah. So it was always in my blood. I always loved business, but I thought, oh, I have to go be a doctor because that was what was kind of instilled in me. But like you mm -hmm. said, you have to find yourself, you have to find your journey. I even went to a STEM school, science, t uh, mm -hmm. technology, engineering, math, magnet. And because I was on that track and I got to college, I still was on that track because that's what I was told. Hey, this is what you need to do, you know? Mm -hmm. And just like you, I was like, oh my gosh, <laughs> mm -hmm. I changed my major 
and did communication studies because I like writing. Mm-hmm. I love writing. I love, uh, you know, things about books. I, I, I enjoy it. And I like um, being in leadership. So it was just a, a different journey. And it led me into education. And I still get to be on the health side doing mental health in schools. But mm-hmm. it's still, you know, ultimately, that's why I have my company <laughs> so that I can also mm-hmm. do parent education is just where I say where education meets business and, and, and that's what I do. So I love it. I, I love your journey. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Thank you for sharing yours. And I, I really just think it's so important for people to share that it wasn't like, Oh, when I was four years old, I wanted to do this thing. And then I just did it. It's never a straight line. Mm-hmm. Um, or I should say it's rarely a straight line. Yeah. And so I think parents need to remember that. Like, they probably didn't have a straight line journey. Mm -hmm. We really shouldn't expect our kids to have one. Um, And, you know, the world has changed so much just in the last two years. Yes. Um, And so many more things are possible and different paths to success are possible and proven. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, you know, of course, our parents just want the best for us. They know you know, becoming a doctor leads to stability and success and respect and all of these things they want for us. But if it's not what's making us happy and and we have to make, you know, real sacrifices in our lives to live out somebody else's dream, you know, what kind of life is that? Exactly. 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 Oh, my gosh. Yes. <laughs> and I know that even with, you know, preparing our students, they're, uh, even though they may not know exactly what they want, And in that moment and in that, you know, in that moment in time, and some do kind of have an idea because when I do speak with students, they do tell me, I ask them, well, what do you want to be when you grow up? And I know I could ask a better question, but that's a great place to start with a third Mm -hmm. grader. And, (laughs) and they, and they tell me, you know, and I'm like, wow, as I'm working with them, I realize they have some other skills like building, but no one's ever talked to them about other types of jobs. Mm-hmm. So sometimes they're very limited in what they even know about. Like, who knows about yeah. a school psychologist? We got any kids saying, hey, I want to be a school psychologist when I grow up. Right. It's more like right. a school. What is that? <laughs> right. But um, I know that you work so much with college admissions. And as we're preparing our kids, regardless of if they're really, truly clear on where they want to end up, they do know that they want to go to college. I do see that often. And I think there's some important things that you can share with us about how parents can really prepare just for going to college, even if you're undecided major, uh, what would you, what would you share in that regard? Oh, there's so much. (laughs) So I'll start um, maybe a little bit more broadly, just connecting to what you were just saying. Um, You know, they don't have to know what they want to do. If they do know, that's great too, but they don't have to marry themselves to a particular career just yet. Even when they're starting college, they don't have to do that. Um, I think it's extremely valuable for students to explore what's out there and experiment and see what actually works for them, right? Take a good hard look at what their skills are and what that might translate into uh, in terms of an academic path or a career path. Um, because you don't want to just impose it from out of the blue. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I, I've had students in the past tell me they love business but they hate their math class 
and I hate to break it to them, but if you want to do business, you're going to have to do a lot of math. Mm-hmm. You know? Yes. Um, so either you're not thinking about what your skills actually are suiting you for, or um, you're going to have to do some work, right? If you really are committed to that business pathway, well, then you got to find a way to like math or at least get through it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you can't just avoid things that are hard all the time. Uh, sometimes that's where your attention is most needed on the things that are hard. Yeah, true. Um, so I think it's really important to think about um, there are a lot of different ways to prepare for college um, and a, a lot of things that are necessary. And it's not just taking the SAT and writing a good essay. It's really knowing who you are. Um, so when we work with students on college admissions, we take a strengths-based or a values-based approach. So uh, we really want students to understand why they do what they do in school and out of school. Mm-hmm. So why do they like their history classes and dislike their science classes or, you know, whatever, <laughs> however the chips fall? Um, why do they like the things they like? Is it because of this particular teacher and the way they make you feel as a learner? Is it something about the material? You know, what is it? Uh, and really help them dig deep into that and then explore. Could that lead to something in college for you or something after college mm-hmm. for you, mm-hmm. right? Um, and also the values piece is really important as well um, because sometimes that's why they like something or don't like something. Like why, why do you like playing on the soccer team or why do you love playing your instrument? Um, is it because you get to, you know, work as a team with the rest of your orchestra and create this beautiful experience for people? Mm. Um, or is it because, um, you know, you like community service because you like seeing smiles on the faces of the people that you're helping um, or feeling like you're a part of a solution, right? And really understanding those motivations can help you do all sorts of things that are going to prepare you for college, right? It's going to help you understand you know, possible academic paths or career paths for you. It's also going to help you understand which types of colleges you might want to target because there are so many great colleges in the United States. And then you think about all the educational institutions in the world. There's so many options. Yeah. But you really do need to focus on what's a fit for you. So that means an academic fit where you can handle the rigor of the classes. You're not going to drown, mm-hmm. but you're also not going to be bored. Mm-hmm. You can learn what you want to learn in the ways that you want to learn it, right? So there are a lot of colleges now that do a lot of um, co-op programs where, you know, every other semester you actually get a job mm. in the field mm. that you're studying. And it's such a great way to learn in this hands-on way and also get real job skills and maybe even a job offer at the end of this thing. Um, or, you know, a lot of schools prioritize um, research for undergraduates where, you know, maybe if you're in a STEM field, you can actually work in a scientific laboratory um, and do real research and contribute to uh, publications or the invention of new um, uh, drugs or technologies, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And those are really great hands-on ways of learning. There are a lot of kids who learn better that way, not just sitting in a lecture hall, memorizing what a textbook says. Exactly. Um, And then there are other kids who do better the other way around, right? Mm -hmm. They really need to hear someone. They need to talk to somebody about it. Um, And it's not so much getting their hands on on the material that they're learning. Um, So understanding those things about yourself is only going to help you choose the right schools where you're going to be able to not only get in, but actually thrive 
learn the things that you need to learn to go on and have the successful life you want after college, right? Um, so that's just kind of one aspect of fit that you need to think about. And you really need to understand yourself as a learner and a human being in order to identify that. But then there are all sorts of other aspects of fit you can talk about too, like social fit, mm-hmm. right? Is this a college that has a lot of uh, fraternities and sororities? Is that something you want to be a part of? If you don't want to be a part of that and you go to that school, are you going to have zero social life? Mm. Is that okay with you? Right. right. What do you want out of your college experience? You know, there might be a religious um, environment you want to be a part of or want to avoid. There may be cultural things that you want mm-hmm. um, or some percentage of international students because you're so interested in, you know, learning from people who are, come from all over the world. Um, or maybe um, you're interested in having a certain kind of diversity, right? Or maybe you want to go to an HBCU, mm-hmm. right? There are lots of things to reflect on before you start thinking about, oh, that's the college for me. Um, because you have to know these things about yourself in order to find the right fit. So I think that's really the work of high school. Um, obviously, you want to do well in all your classes and, you know, build good relationships and friendships uh, and, uh, you know, get mentored by your teachers and all of that. Um, but for us at Signet, what we want students to do is actually more than that, uh, which is to understand themselves and what their place in the world could be through reflecting on uh, the things that we were just talking about. Um, And that sets you up to write a really great essay about who you are (laughs) and who you're going to be on that campus Mm -hmm. um, and why you want to go to that school, Mm -hmm. right? Um, Most colleges ask um, supplemental essay questions beyond the main personal statement that say, you know, what do you like about our school or what are you going to take advantage of on our campus? Mm. And if you've done the work, you know those answers. Right. Everybody else is going to be like, oh, the buildings are pretty, and I want to live in that city. And, you know, everybody can say that, so it's not really that unique. Um, But if you can be really true to yourself, that's going to shine through Mm. in the college application process. Wow. So that was a really long answer. No. That's that's generally how we think about um, getting ready for college. It's not just knowing the things and having the grades and writing the essay. It's knowing yourself and what kind of person you want to be so that you can choose the right institution that's going to help you get to the next level. And I love that perspective because I think it's so important, even working with children one-on-one, a lot of what I do is a special education testing and I have to look at their strengths. I have to look at their weaknesses and I have to look at a whole picture and understand who is this child? What is going to best meet their needs? So mm-hmm. it is so important. Like what you're saying is for not only the child to know who they are, but the parent to recognize who that child yeah. is and what that child can do so that we're not as parents what we say in in my field is transferring our own <laughs> our own uh visions and and dreams and goals onto our children but allowing mm-hmm. our children to just be who they are going to be and allow them to just feel their own path you know mm-hmm. and yeah. yeah i often talk to parents about that that concept because it is so important number 1 it it allows for an easier relationship mm-hmm. between yes. parent and child. You're not trying to force your kid in a box, right? Right. That they don't necessarily want to be in. Um, but it's, it's also just one of the best ways to support your child. It's like, um, you know, if you go to a buffet, you're not going to pick what, you know, they're going to eat. They, 
you just want to give them the opportunities and let them select what what works for them. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. You know, there has been some conversation and maybe you can help us understand. There has been conversation around the SAT, ACT. Mm-hmm. It is no longer a admissions requirement, but what are your thoughts? I mean, should we even be thinking about it? Because I know that you don't have to know exactly what you want to do, but we still want to make sure that we have the best opportunities uh, possible. Are the, right. And then are there any secrets to getting into the college of our dreams? Because we want our kids to just find their way and go for it. You know, I said, just go for it. Whatever you want, just go mm-hmm. for it. <laughs> but what are yeah, your thoughts? Yeah. yeah, these are great questions. So on the SAT, ACT thing, um, it is true that this is no longer a requirement at many colleges, not all colleges. Oh, so it's really okay. important to understand the specific testing policies for the colleges you specifically are applying to and how long those policies will be in place. So I'll give you an example. Harvard has committed to being test optional until 2026, mm. the class of, graduating class of 2026. Oh. Other colleges have um, uh, pledged to be test optional until 2023 or 2024 or 2025, right? So you've got to know the timing. Okay. Um, and then there are some states that have already brought the test back. They say, we need this as a tool to help us, you know, choose the best candidate. So MIT brought the test back. Georgetown brought the test back. Mm. Uh, basically, every public college in Florida and Georgia and Tennessee have brought the test oh, back. Oh, boy. Um, yeah. So you really need to know where you're applying. You can't just assume, oh, I don't need to do this. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. Depends on the schools that you're applying to. And then... What I always tell parents uh, when they ask me this question is, well, we want to get some data, right? Um, at the schools uh, where tests are not necessarily required, you want to know what's actually going to put you in the best position, mm-hmm. right, mm-hmm. to get in so that you have those opportunities. And what we've seen is that if your test scores or if you can score above the average for the schools that you're applying to, then a test score is likely going to be helpful to you in the admissions process. Okay. If you can't score above the average, it's not going to be worth your time to take a test, mm. right? Because mm-hmm. you should probably not submit it. Uh, and this has a kind of perverse effect on, on admissions because it just looks like those averages are going up and up and up every year. Mm-hmm. But that's because only the kids with the highest scores are submitting their scores. People with lower scores are choosing not to submit them, mm. right? So the average gets skewed upward. So you need to keep that in mind. That's one of the reasons this is sort of a little rat race. Like uh, it just, the scores keep going higher. And so you feel like you doesn't, it's not worth taking the test unless you can score almost a perfect score. Oh my gosh. Right? <laughs> um, at the most selective score, right? Right, right. You, you see average scores on the ACT of, you know, 34, 35, 36. Uh, or, you know, 1500 or above on the SAT. Um, but we're talking about, you know, Ivy League, you know, universities right. and, and selective schools with an admissions rate of less than 10%. Um, there are many, many schools who will be perfectly happy with a 25 on the ACT or a 21 or wh- whatever it may be. So you need to look at the averages for the schools you're applying Okay. To, right? And then what, what I recommend students do is to take a practice test. Mm-hmm. There are free practice tests on the ACT website and on the SAT website with timing instructions and everything. So a student can just go and download one of these tests, take a practice test, and then compare how they've done. Because the first choice 
uh, that they have to make is actually which test do you want to take? Is it the ACT or is it the SAT? Mm. Colleges do not care which one they take. Um, they just want to see your best score from either one of those tests. Okay. So the tests are slightly different. They kind of test the same material, but they ask questions in slightly different ways. And the timing that students have is different. You have a little more time per question on the SAT, but the questions are a little more complicated in that you have to do a little more reading and kind of puzzling to figure out what they want you to do. Mm -hmm. The ACT, you have less time per question, but the questions are very straightforward. It's very clear what you're supposed to do. Okay. Right. Um, so certain students are going to react differently to those two different formats. And we say, take a test of each and see how you do. One score is probably going to be stronger than the other. And there is an official concordance that lets you compare ACT scores to SAT scores. So you can see which one is higher. Okay. Right. Mm -hmm. And in addition to looking at the scores, you also want to think about your experience. Which one stressed you out more? Which one did you know what to do? Um, which one um, did you feel like, oh, if I were a little more familiar with this test, I know I could do better. Mm. Those sort of qualitative pieces of input are really important uh, in deciding which test to focus on. But then focus on one of the tests, the one that you can do better on, the one that you can more easily improve your score on. And usually with practice and maybe even some tutoring, students will see an improvement in the scores. Um, you know, it's hard to predict exactly how much improvement they'll see, mm -hmm. um, but you can expect that the more times they, they practice it and uh, refresh the skills that they, they need for the test, their score will move up. And so you can kind of get a, uh, an estimate of what they might score after practicing for three or four months, which is typical. And then you see if that estimate is higher than the average okay. at the school. And if it is, then it's probably worth your time to practice prep, take the official test, and submit your scores with your application. If you're scoring so low that you're nowhere near the averages, mm -hmm. or this experience just paralyzes a student with fear or adds just completely unnecessary stress into their lives, mm -hmm. then you probably don't want to do it. Okay, that's right? and that is that good advice. <laughs> and and if you are opting to not take the test, then you have to make sure you're applying to test optional schools or schools that don't require tests. Mm -hmm. And you also want to make sure that you are demonstrating your strengths in other ways in your application. So really make sure your grades are super super strong. Invest in those teacher relationships so they'll write you really great recommendations. Do community service. Do a lot of things outside of your school that demonstrate your character. Right? Those are the things they're going to look at more. I mean, they're always important, but especially without a test score, those are the things that they're going to look at more to evaluate whether you're a good fit for their school. So it's really important for you to invest time and energy into those. That is just amazing advice. <laughs> things that I wish my mom would have known when I was coming up, you know, and, and it's mm -hmm. and this is what this is about. You know, this podcast is about making sure that parents have information that's going to help them meet their child's needs and help them be successful. So I really do appreciate that breakdown. Now I get a I, Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> oh, no, no, I wasn't gonna say. Oh, okay. Um, I was gonna say that one other question that I, I wanted to pose is one that we don't hear often, but it does happen. 
And especially if a, a child, maybe they're graduating early or they just need a year off, it's called a gap year. So the gap between graduating from high school and going to college, I mean, we have to take advantage of that time and make it useful for college admissions. And even with gap year, would you recommend that they apply two years later? I mean, in advance, or is that even a thing? I don't even know. I'm making that up. It is. Oh, okay. Yeah, no, no, you've got great questions. Okay. And, you know, I think it, it speaks to a real need here. Um, a lot of people in America don't know what a gap year is or how useful it can be. Mm-hmm. But in Europe and in, in other parts of the world, it's, it, it's just expected. It's of course you're going to go on a gap year oh. before you go to college, oh. right? Uh, in Australia, um, in places where there's, um, you know, like required military service, mm-hmm. like in Singapore or Israel, a lot of people go on a gap year before they do that. Um, in Europe, it's very common hmm. uh, for students to go on a gap year before they start college. And it's not just like, oh, trace around the world and have fun. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really a time for students to continue growing and developing as human beings. Mm. And, you know, kids are on their own timeline. Some of them are late bloomers. Right. <laughs> some of them don't figure out what they want until they have a taste of the real world. Or some of them don't realize the value of getting a higher education until they worked, you know, in a fast food chain mm-hmm. for a whole summer or something like that. <laughs> I know my parents made me work at a Dairy Queen when I was 15 and I was like, oh, yep, education. That's where I'm going. <laughs> I did not want to get stuck doing that kind of work. Um, So, um, yeah, gap years can be really, really valuable for students. Um, Typically, we like students to apply to college when they are a senior in high school because you just have this kind of infrastructure, right? You've got your high school college counselor. You've got your teachers who can write you recommendations. Right. Your peers will be going through the process at the same time. So it's a little easier to do. Um, and then, um, you know, apply your senior year and then do something that's called defer your admission. Mm. So once you get in, you talk to the school and say, Hey, I really want to go do this gap year. You know, can you save me a spot for next year? Basically. And most schools will be happy to do that okay. um, because they tend to be overcrowded right now. So they're like, Oh yes, please come back later. <laughs> um, and there are even some schools that will fund your gap year, mm. right? You write a little proposal about what you want to do and they'll give you some money to go do it. Um, so um, it can be a really great uh, strategy as well. Um, for some students, it may not make sense to apply in their senior year. Maybe, um, you know, they've had a rough go of it in high school or they have some medical issues or mental health issues they really need to resolve. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe what they do on their gap year helps them get through that or um, helps them build the skills to be more successful academically, and then they want to apply with that information. Mm -hmm. What you just got to keep in mind is the cycle of admissions. You apply in the winter to go somewhere almost nine months later. Right. Right? Um, So if you're taking a year off after high school, you might have to apply the fall right after you finish high school before you really even... Uh, done much in your gap year. Maybe you've done it for four or five months, mm-hmm. um, but you might not have grades yet. You might have might not be through your treatment or whatever. Mm-hmm. You might not have anything to show yet that shows you know that you could put on a, a transcript or some sort of uh, documentation to submit with your college application uh, that shows that you've had this growth or this change. Um, so in those cases, sometimes you have to take a two year gap year. Mm, okay. Um, to make sure that your application is actually stronger when you apply. And then you have to navigate the, well, I haven't talked to this teacher in two years. 
hope they remember me. Right. <laughs> uh, you got to get your transcripts from your old school and you, you know, kind of got to do it on your own mm-hmm. at that point. Mm-hmm. But hopefully, you know, you've had that year and a half to two years of experience to be able to navigate that process a little bit better independently. Okay. So there, there are a couple of pathways to that. And, you know, there are plenty of kids who also do uh, time off during college. Maybe they go to college their first year and they're like, I think I need to take a year off and explore this other side of me or um, go work in the, you know, some developing country and, and figure myself out a little bit mm. and then come back to school. Mm-hmm. Um, so it might look like a gap year where you're not actually enrolled in the school and you're taking a break. Um, or it might look like a study abroad experience. Right. So there are a lot of ways to kind of get the benefits of that um, without actually having to, you know, parents feel like it's risky. If you don't go to college right after high school, maybe you're never going to go back. Um, But there's an organization called the American Gap Association, Hmm. um, and they've done all this research and and published lots of books with stories of students who've gone on gap years that show um, that students are actually – uh, likely to come back. I think it's 60 to 70% of students who do a gap year do enroll in college the next year. Uh, and they have um, higher levels of academic success because of all the skills and independence that they've built on their gap year. That was a- Oh, Jessica, I think you're muted. Oh, sorry about that. I'll, I'll, there we go. Yeah, I'll edit that. <laughs> um, that was a lot of information. Wow. And I'm just, you know, learning so much about this thing called a gap year. I've heard of it. And I'm glad you clarified that it's not as popular in the U.S. because, you know, I've heard of it. I, I think I've, I've known a few uh, about a few celebrities who have done it, but um, thank you for clarifying that. But I want to give you space to just leave the parents with any advice, final thoughts, whatever you want. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I think it's important to um, build a relationship with your child where you can be, this is language that I take from, um, a really great company called Impact Parents that we work with a lot. They're a parent coaching company. Um, And they say it's really important to be the champion of your child, Mm -hmm. not the director or coordinator of your child's life. Um, And and that's not going to happen overnight. It takes a lot of work on the parent's part. It also takes a lot of, you know, skill building and trust and things like that on the part of the student. Um, But that's kind of what we all want to aim for. And I have seen this play out where um, the parent is just kind of an advisor and a sounding board. They're not the person who's executing or forcing a student to do X, Y, or Z. And students, um, you know, these are teenagers. These are young adults. Mm -hmm. They find so much empowerment, sense of self, self self-esteem, confidence um, through that relationship when someone isn't telling them what to do, but rather asking them, how do you want to approach this problem that's coming up or this decision that's coming up? Um, And uh, it it just enables tremendous growth, uh, both in the student, in the adult, uh, and in their relationship. It's a really beautiful thing to watch. And it's really the reason we do what we do at Signet. Actually, our mission statement is to enable uh, or build relationships that enable growth. Mm-hmm. And and so I love to see that. And, and that's what I think about in, in my role as a parent. I have a five-year-old. Uh, I just want to champion him. Uh, and I'm, I'm as hard as it is with a five-year-old. I'm not trying to tell him what to do. <laughs> yeah. 
I love it. Thank you so much for sharing that. And for the parent listening, by now, I really hope you are thinking about how you can best support your child's journey to college. And I hope these tips have been enlightening and encouraging as they have been for me. And if so, then you understand how important it is to not keep this information to yourself. Share with someone else, those you care about, the one action of sharing could have a ripple effect in impacting the life of another child. So let me challenge you. Think about how you can start preparing your child for their college journey now. It's never too early or too late to cultivate a college-going mindset and allow your child to make their own decisions about their future. Love and reminder for my loving parents, don't let other people's mindsets or their barriers or how they think stop you from doing what you need to do to help your child accomplish their dreams. And I want to always remind you that this includes our children who have learning disabilities. So I surely hope that this episode has blessed you. If it has, just hit that follow button or that subscribe button so you don't miss any new episodes. And as you're thinking about that sister, that brother, that friend who needs the information, again, share the link, parentthemsuccessful.com. And let's make a difference in one another's parenting journey. If you're the type of parent like me who's serious about better supporting your child's growth and development, join my email list for more free content to help you. And you can join at StrongerMindsStrongerYouth.com forward slash join the list. And of course, all links shared will be in the show notes. Hey, I really do appreciate you. And I thank you so much for listening. So until next time, be blessed and love on your children. Thank you for listening to the Parent Them Successful with licensed educational psychologist, Jessica Shields. We're so glad you've joined us and would love to connect with you outside of the show. To find more information about our services, the Empower House Academy, or to take our quiz, What's Your Parenting Style? Go to StrongerMindStrongerYouth.com. Feel free to email us directly at info at StrongerMindStrongerYouth.com. We'd love to hear from you. Other ways to stay connected are on Instagram and Facebook by searching Stronger Mind, Stronger Youth and on Twitter at official underscore SMSY. Until next time, be well and love your children for they are a gift from the Lord.